Hey everyone, Dave DeBow here with another episode of the Property Profits Real Estate Podcast. And are you into short-term rentals? You know, we're talking about Airbnb and Verbo and all those kind of great things. Or are you thinking about it? Are you you've heard about all the money that people are making with these short-term rentals, but you're wondering how to do it properly? Well, today's guest, Alex Haler, is going to shed some light on that. So Alex is not only an experienced short-term rental real estate investor himself, but he's also part of a company called AirDnd, AirDNA, sorry, that really helps you dial in the numbers, analyze things, figure out the right markets to focus on, as well as how to price your property properly. All right, so Alex, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Looking forward to the conversation. Excellent. So why don't you, let's just do a quick little background on yourself. How did you get into short-term rentals and what has your career in that space look like to date? Yeah, believe it or not, it started with me deciding to try renting out my couch on Airbnb about 10 years ago. So, so couch surfing for strangers. <laughs> couch surfing essentially for 60 bucks a day. And within a few weeks, it actually paid for my entire month's rent, just renting out the couch. And so wow. I was like, okay, what happens if I rent out the whole place and I go camping or I hop on a plane for the weekend or stay with a friend, I pretty quickly realized that I was suddenly making three to four times what my rent was. And I was like, okay, there's something here. Were you living uh, in a penthouse on like the umpteenth floor of a skyscraper in downtown <laughs> Miami or someplace sexy like that? Or what? I, I was not. I was living in a basic one bedroom apartment in Denver. I was working in finance at the time. So my, my job was in downtown Denver. I worked about a block away from the office. So okay. it was just a uh, Nice location. Denver's a very popular place to visit. So we had really strong demand from that. You know, it got to the point where my apartment was rented out so often that I got a second one and then a third one. And then then all of a sudden, you know, the market changed. Denver passed some regulations. I was already on to something though, and I knew it was an exciting business and something I wanted to do. So got my real estate license, started a property management company and bought several places in the mountains of Colorado. And currently we manage about a hundred doors with my past company. And then I was just, you know, always really into looking at the data, figuring out what, what are the next best markets? You know, what, what are sort of the hidden gems, so to speak? I was a client of AirDNA for multiple years. And when I decided I wanted to uh, take a step back from the property management business, that's how I wound up here at AirDNA. So I get to play with the numbers and look at the next best places and dive into the data all day long, which is a pretty, pretty fantastic job. <laughs> wait, wait, which requires a special kind of person to enjoy doing that. That's for sure. So <laughs> hats off to you. Yeah, I'm not very analytical myself. However, I definitely respect the folks that are. And if you've got tools that help make the life so much easier, that just simplifies the heck out of things. So let's, I mean, obviously we'll talk about AirDNA in, in a bit, but Let's just talk about the 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 big concept of first of all analyzing markets especially when it comes to short-term rentals. I don't know about you but the the pandemic was kind of a surprise for a lot of people, right? Because correct me if I'm wrong cuz I'm not in the space but pre-pandemic the biggest best places to have short-term rentals were the the big cities. And then the pandemic comes in, shuts everything down mass panic in, in general, and then massive panic in, in the short-term rental space because the demand went from high, high, high to, to virtually nil, and then everybody wanted to get the hell out of town. So talk to me about, about the importance 
of understanding markets when it comes to short-term rentals. Yeah, you're you're exactly right. I mean, once the pandemic was in full swing, all of the markets within, you know, call it a one to three hour drive of all the major cities just absolutely exploded. So these are markets like the mountains in Colorado, a lot of coastal areas in the Southeast, Palm Springs, Joshua Tree, a lot of these markets that were close enough for people to flee the cities and not have to get on a plane did really, really well. And your other point's correct as well. Airbnbs, short-term rentals really suffered for urban areas and suburban areas. So now that we're sort of exiting the pandemic phase, thank goodness, reverse is happening. Yeah. Where now oh, okay. a lot of those destination markets are super saturated. There's too many short-term rentals there, and people are not spending all their time there. Now people are getting on planes, they're going back to Mexico, they're going back to Europe. And so you're seeing a lot of those destination markets that did exceptionally well in the pandemic start to slow down. And you're starting to see a lot of opportunity come back in urban areas and suburban areas as well. So kind of like a full the old pendulum swing. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And as far as analyzing a market, I mean, I would call what we just talked about sort of like the macro trend of it, you know, the yeah. whole environment nationwide pandemic. But then you also want to analyze the micro trends. So like, you know, a particular neighborhood, you know, is it walkable to attractions? Does it have nice curb appeal? Are you too close to your neighbors and they're going to get complaints? I mean, there's a lot of micro considerations when you're looking to do a short-term rental investment, as well as the macro stuff, you know, economy, interest rates, real estate prices, pandemics, those types of things. So, I mean, obviously your software helps with this. How how does your software help determine which market to focus on as a short-term rental investor? Yeah, it's a really good question. I mean, we're we're scraping every single Airbnb and VRBO listing in the world on a daily basis. So we can really track how markets are growing, if they're becoming too saturated. Sometimes if a market is becoming saturated, demand and occupancy are still keeping up, which just means it has an incredible amount of demand there. So I mean, we're analyzing things like rental demand, rental growth, seasonality, investability, or actually we will take a home's short-term rental potential, basically divide it over the median home price in that area to sort of give you like an investability score of like what markets might be interesting for it. And then there's a million other things to track along the way. You know, how high are reviews in certain areas? How professionalized is it? You know, what percentage of homes are managed or owned by a big property manager? How many places have hot tubs? I mean, there's just you can get pretty deep in the weeds on doing your analysis to decide, you know, where the best market is and where the best niche is. Our software can help you do that. And then just, I'm sure a lot of stuff you talk about on your podcast and just general real estate investing advice. I'm sure a lot of that applies to, to short-term rentals as well. I know one of the things that's becoming more and more popular with short-term rentals is the whole dynamic pricing thing, which consumers find absolutely aggravating as hell. <laughs> it's kind of like the airlines, you're you know, you're on Expedia, you you take a look today at a price for a flight, and then tomorrow it's gone up 300 bucks. Same thing starting to happen with the short-term rental space. But from an investor's point of view, I mean, I can definitely see the, the big benefit there. Why don't you walk us through what kind of a difference, you know, having this dynamic pricing can make on the profitability of a property? Yeah, it's, it's a really valuable tool and anyone interested in the space should learn a lot about it. But traditionally, you know, 10 years ago, I think a lot of vacation rental managers and property owners kind of had maybe two prices, like peak season and non-peak season. But the reality is, I mean, similar to airlines and hotels, 
certain weekends, certain events, you could potentially charge two to three times your peak season rate. And then other times your low season rate will be too high to get a booking. So you want to lower that down a little bit to attract people in the off season. Mm-hmm. Revenue management software can help you basically make that determination for you. So it will look at future pacing or you know booking information in the future and be able to kind of help you predict like, oh, hey, this looks like a really strong weekend. You know, half your neighborhood's already booked up and we're eight months out. Mm. This is going to be a really strong weekend. You can actually bump your prices by 50%. So I've seen a a few different numbers on the impact that it can make, but uh, I think it's somewhere between 20 to 40% of an increase in your annual revenue can be made up by a a good dynamic pricing revenue management strategy. Well, that's pretty huge. So definitely worth figuring out. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. That's another fantastic idea. Hold on to that thought for a sec. We'll be right back. Now, are you a real estate investor who's run out of cash or credit to grow your portfolio? Are you looking to grow your portfolio using other people's money and raising capital? Well, I want to show you how to raise six figures or more in six weeks or less at my upcoming Investor Attraction Workshop. You can get your ticket and find out all about it at InvestorAttractionWorkshop.com. We're going to spend a full day taking a deep dive into this roadmap that I've used to raise millions for my deals, and I've helped other people just like you cumulatively raise hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars for their deals as well. So again, you can check that out at InvestorAttractionWorkshop.com. And as a loyal listener to the podcast, you'll get 50% off your ticket when you use the discount code podcast. That's right. Discount code podcast at InvestorAttractionWorkshop.com. See you at the next workshop. I mean, you guys crunched the numbers. You said you scrape for every single short-term rental property in the world every day. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. So I would imagine you might guys might be able to be able to tell what percentage of properties use dynamic pricing versus the ones that don't. What, do you have any idea what that looks like these days? Yeah. You know, pretty much every professional host is using it. Professional host, it could mean a property manager someone who manages short-term rentals professionally. It could also mean, you know, what we call a professional owner operator, you know, someone who does this full-time or close to full-time, you know, they probably have eight, 10 plus units. I would say at this point, probably close to a hundred percent of professionals are using revenue management. Well, then the question would be what percentage of short-term rentals are owned by professionals versus unprofessionals? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a good point. There's, I think, don't quote me on this because I don't have the numbers in front of me, but too, last too late, I this checked- This is a podcast, man. <laughs> <laughs> last I checked, I think that there are still more individual host units than there are professionally managed units, although that is changing quickly. The units become, or the uh, industry is becoming more institutionalized, more sort of like big players are getting interested in it. The difficulty though is it's- much more difficult to operate and keep an eye on, say, 400 single family homes versus a 400 room hotel. Yeah. So it's there's some logistical and operating issues when it comes to scaling. So it's still an investment strategy that the individual investor can still do really, really well at, which is- Well, that, that was the next question I was going to ask you, Alex. Your own experience, you started out renting out your couch. <laughs> <laughs> that I mean, that was the early days of Airbnb. That's kind of what it was all about. Now we've gone to where it's becoming, like you said, kind of institutionalized. Where do you see things going over the next five years? 
Yeah, it's a really good question. I think we'll see more and more professionalism in the the industry. I think, you know, you'll have a lot of people using those professional softwares, revenue management tools, just having really, really top-notch listings. I think that, I mean, if you look at the last six months, I think we've been averaging something like 80,000 new short-term rental listings in the US per month over the course of 2022. So there's a ton of new supply, which obviously brings competition. And it's just going to force people to really have an exceptional home and an exceptional product. So I think that that's one thing you're going to see is homes are going to get more more professional. The, the design's going to have to be better. Location's going to have to be better. I think that's one part of it. A lot of communities nationwide are grappling with how do we regulate these? You know, do we Do we limit the amount of them? Do we require a certain license? Do we create a new lodging tax? I think that's something we'll see a lot of over the next five years. And we we have seen it since uh, the pandemic where short-term rentals became very, very popular. Again, from people wanting to flee the cities and hotels not being a very appealing, appealing yeah. option. So a lot of places are grappling with that. So I think you'll see new regulation in place for it. And then... I mean, the interesting thing is, if you look at occupancy for this year, I think so far for 2022, we're down somewhere between four and 5% in occupancy year over year. But the interesting thing is demand is actually up a bunch from last year. Hmm. It's just that supply is up more than 80,000 more units a month. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you could look at that decrease in occupancy and say, you know, oh, hey, the industry is getting weak or, you know, it's becoming too saturated. It's true that the supply is increasing a lot, but demand is actually going stronger than ever. And the CEO of Airbnb just recently gave a speech or an interview where he said they're seeing huge, huge increases in week-long stays, month-long stays. So the whole trend of you know, the digital nomad of people who just, you know, hey, I, I have a remote job. So I want to go live in Oregon for a month or I want to go right. live in Florida for a month is is probably not going away as a sort of a long-term result of the pandemic. Very interesting. One like last question before we wrap up here, Alex, is just out of pure personal curiosity, because Airbnb back in the day began as an option for guys like you that had a spare couch or probably a spare bedroom in most cases kind of thing where it just kind of, you know, as a, as a side hustle, little kind of thing. And it's morphed into this, this thing that it is now, what is the percentage of Airbnbs that are still kind of that original model, maybe not the couch, but the, the spare bedroom type thing where it is somebody coming in and just getting an economical place to stay for the night without necessarily renting the entire property and and that sort of thing. Yeah, I think it's still a huge proportion of really? Airbnb's business and I think that you know a lot of people do use it for sort of like the lower cost option and sort of like the economical way to travel and you can see that in the data cuz a lot of listings are just simply not available 365 days a year you know some of them will just be available for 90 days a year or for just certain seasons and so a lot of that indicates that you know these are individual owners who probably live in the property as their primary residence and you know maybe they go to Europe for a month or they, you know, go visit family in a different state for several weeks and then kind of put their home up as a listing. So well, well even long. the ones that just like have a spare bedroom as a listing, like that's, that's what I'm kind of wondering about is 
Yeah, I think, I mean, there's still, I think there's still a few hundred thousand private room listings out there. So, I mean, it's, it's still a great, great line of business for it. I think there's still a ton of demand for it. I think, you know, that's like the couch or like the the spare room. I think that's a a way for a lot of people to sort of try it out or test the waters and kind of see, you know, is this something I'd be interested in learning more about or, you know, growing or scaling? Yeah. Like we had talked about, that's kind of how I got started. And I pretty instantly fell in love with it. I mean, it was a great way to make extra income. I got to know a lot of my guests and I'm still friends with several of them today. The expert in a city and you get to, you know, show people around and tell them where to go and all that. So, I mean, it was a really, really positive experience in the beginning. I no longer rent out my couch. (laughs) (laughs) I would imagine. I would imagine not. Yeah. Yeah. But I I do have a couple other uh, places that I do rent out. It's, it's still a great experience and it provides you with a lot of flexibility in your, in your own lifestyle where, you know, I have a short-term rental in California and I'll go spend two, three, four weeks a year there and then rent it out when I'm not using it. So I can, you know, escape some of the, the brutal months of Colorado. Yeah. Smart. Awesome, Alex. Well, if people want to find out, out more about you and Air DNA and, and the services you guys offer, what should they do? Uh, yeah, our website's uh, airdna.co. So they can go there, learn learn about what we offer. Uh, we do offer certain stats and data points for free without subscribing. And then obviously, we have a paid version that gives you quite a bit more data. Yeah, I'm happy to provide my email and you can drop it in the show notes. And uh, if someone has a question, I'd be more than happy to uh, to give my two cents or, or advice. Perfect. We'll do exactly that. Alex, thank you so much. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, appreciate the time. All right, all right. Take care. We'll see you on the next episode. Well, hey there. Thanks for tuning into the Property Profits Podcast. If you like this episode, that's great. Please go ahead and subscribe on iTunes. Give us a good review. That'd be awesome. I appreciate that. And if you're looking to attract investors and raise capital for your deals, then I'm going to invite you to get a complimentary copy of my newest book right back there. There it is. The Money Partner Formula. You can get a PDF version at InvestorAttractionBook.com. Again, InvestorAttractionBook.com. Take care.